Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's another eclectic chat with Bileli and Rich, with a conversation reaching far and wide, including dreams that verify that no good deed goes unpunished, a story time featuring more women with swords, so you know somebody's in trouble, volcanic obsession, DMV mini bars, and DB's take on the master of poor communication, Jordan Peterson. Now I know you're going to listen. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Dun, 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 Welcome back, everybody! Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast. As always, my pal Daniela Bellelli is across from me. Howdy! Episode one thirty six. We are ready to roll. Hey, I have an obsession, and since this will be out pretty quick, and hopefully they'll still be going. I can't stop watching the lava spew out of a live feed from Hawaii right now. I don't know if it's my Hawaiian molecules or what, but Princess, yeah, that, Princess Pele is really... A psychologist would have a blast with that. A blast? Find some, <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. Very good. It's more than a fast. It's endlessly uh, 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 one of those fissures that broke. Right. It's just spewing like... Does the, it look the kind first of like... lava was kind of like mucky and old but they said that was probably sitting in the pipe since the 50s just being warm yeah. well that shit's over man now it is liquid rock spewing out of the ground does it look like the end of the lord of the rings are there like two hobbits on a rock they're not quite there yet about yeah how hard it is are the eagles coming to save them no the eagles aren't coming they're just gonna burn baby this is pele you're fucking with him. that's not good he only got one answer Burn it all. Really? That's the standard. But it's incredible. These fine people, they're, they're like a mile and a half away with a great lens. And they've just been focused on this thing. And it goes two, 300 feet high at times. Just wow. spewing shit nonstop. I can't stop watching it. That's I did like good. lava lamps back in the day, so I don't know. That may, there may be a connection to that inspired your fetish. There's definitely some connection as well. But so happy, I, happy eruption, everyone. I see the point. Indeed. Let's give a few thanks. Um, Onnit.com. Uh, one quick thing about Onnit. They are having, they started this month, uh, probably, I'm sure it continues. They, they started this program called Onnit 6, as in the number 6. It's a six-week online bodyweight workout program uh, set up by their chief fitness officer, John Wolf. So if you want to check out something else for working out, not without going to the gym, just using your body weight, you can do it in the comfort of your home. This is onnit.com forward slash six. Uh, I haven't done it yet. I'm looking forward to it. I just got a password to access it. I'm very, I'm digging it. I need to work out more. These days, I'm like, I'm using the excuse of like, oh, I do martial arts, but I don't do that enough and I need to do more. So, yes, 
that would not be a bad idea. And of course, there's the link in the episode notes for all the other Onnit products to get a discount on the good stuff. Uh, similarly, Datsusara, coolest hemp gear ever. It's out there. The bags we carry every day, both Rich and I. Uh, DSgear.com. And uh, last but definitely not least, Sure Design t-shirts with the coolest, funkiest t-shirts on the planet. And the softest, I must add. I have an exciting Kiva update. Do tell. I do believe by the time that this is out into the world in a few days, $100,000 in donations from your fellow listeners. Wow. That's amazing. That's a lot. I guess it's not donations, it's loans. Yeah, and still. And they're reoccurring. Yeah, they come still, back, but still impressive. 3,000 different uh, $25 chunks. Spread over 200 people. so Very impressive. It is. Congratulations. So now that we made it there, it's uh, off to half a quarter million. So Job well done. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Uh, two quick shout outs. As usual, never tap gear uh, for the awesome knee braces that help keep your joints in place when you work out. So that's always a nice... My knee has improved a little, quite a bit, actually, in the last few months. So now I feel like... Maybe one day I was thinking, oh, maybe I can take the brace out there. I'm like, why the hell do I take a chance? Just keep it on. Just stay with it and keep working. It. Something to keep your joints in place. Sounds like some sort of configured, like a, a mic stand with a little right, roach clip keeps on it. The whole, so you can type uh, well, and, knees and, are, and hit a joint at the same time. Knees are not fun when no. you bend them the wrong way. There's definitely nothing good about that. So take 70 pounds off of them see how they like it. Yeah, that, that makes a huge difference right there. They like it quite a bit. Yeah. The, um, the sweet folks, at one point, we're going to do rush guards. I'm planning some really cool things, but I don't want to give it away yet with them. But hasn't happened. It will at some point soon. And also, shout out, I mentioned we're trying out this um, CBD oil and uh, capsules and a bunch of other products. If you want to check it out, if you do like CBD, these guys, I mean, one thing that I like is that they are 130. 54% organic, and of course I made up the number, but they are like super organic, which is important because with a lot of oils, if it's concentrated for something that has a lot of pesticides in it, that means that you are absorbing a shitload of pesticides when you take them. So that's one of the things I don't like about dispensaries that I'm a little shady on, that is not always clear how they were grown. These guys, at least they are lab tested and all the good stuff. So if you like CBD, Check them out at cannaway.com forward slash 2496006. Don't worry, you don't need to remember it. It's in the episode notes, so go check it out at the Drunken Taoist podcast. But it is with a K, is that It correct? is with a K. K-A-N-N-A-W-A-Y dot com forward slash 2496006. And with that, we now jump into a new episode of the Drunken Taoist. Sweet. I have a dream today. And now we cross the Ethereum plane for a visit. Into Bellelli's Dream Time. Dream Time once again. Yes. No return visits from the giant hermit crabs. You haven't yet. Yet. But I've already folded it into a great chapter for something else. So. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, everybody will be visiting my uh, chamber of horrors before they know it. 
on that note, since you just mentioned writing a chapter for something, my immediate thought when you mentioned creativity was like, who's going to steal your idea and run with it? I'm afraid of that too. My latest experiences in that regard have been less than happy, but let's not go there. Let's... Are you trying to see someone might have stolen an idea in Hollywood? And that never happens, right? Don't let me get started on my Star Trek tardigrade troubles. Yeah. Let, motherfuckers. Let's not even go there. Yes. Anger, anger, deep anger. Speaking of deep anger, that's yes. exactly what happens in my dreams. That's Ooh. probably why I have the dreams I have. Oh, and interesting enough, right before I was told that I got stabbed in the back by in some weird Hollywood thing. Mm-hmm. Here is the dream I had. I dreamt there was this um, older lady who was um, telling me, oh, I'm tired, I'm tired, can you help me? And I forgot was carrying some stuff, right? So I was like, oh, okay, sure. And it was somebody I knew. I forgot what the exact dynamics of the thing, but it was somebody I knew. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. So I grab these things, so my hands are full of stuff, and I see this just, evil smile on the lady's face and she pulls out a knife and just goes tow, 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 and just shank me in the stomach right and i was like motherfucker and i woke up of course by the way i woke up with feeling physically pain right in that same spot right like i just got stabbed kind of feeling did savannah have a knife she did not oh. so it was just Nothing was going on in the outside world. But, but you literally felt the pain yes, and across the astral realm. I got mad. So I was like, okay, this doesn't end here. Let's go back into the dream quick. I jumped back into the dream. Can you do that? Apparently I could. Wow. I was angry enough that it could work. And uh, I'm trying to get back in good dreams and it never seems to work. And of course I can't quite... Because I guess there are rules in my dreams. I can't quite just completely rewind the tape and turn it into a happy story or I didn't get stabbed. I got stabbed. I have to work from there, right? <laughs> so that's the rule of the dream. But I figure I'm not dead. So I just turn around, unleash horrendous violence and get rid of my uh, stabbing attacker. And then I'm like fairly like, okay, that got done. And I think about it a little more and I'm like, no, not satisfied yet. So I do it again. <laughs> I go in the dream a second time, restart again from the moment I got stabbed. And again, I proceed to murder my attacker. At that point, I could sleep and okay the rest of the night. A more satisfactory murder. Yeah, it wasn't enough to just get back once. I had to kill them twice to feel better. This may sound dream-esque. I found myself at the DMV last week. Two hours and 37 minutes. Ooh, that can be fun. I've learned a way to make it fun. I like to find the most miserable person in there. A the lot. one that feels that right. somehow, yeah. and it's usually a white guy, you might be shocked to hear, that how can I have to wait in this line? And you can usually hunt them down because they'll kind of search out people to... Tell commiserate with boring yeah, ass story and most folks are like yeah 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 i've started to slide in behind them and go so you don't have to wait but the rest of us do which immediately gets the ears going red not directed towards him just of course in the general vicinity yeah and just follow him around because i don't have time for any of that bullshit we all have to wait so, so it, why you get to sit and bitch and whine 
pick a fight at the DMV. I say. I'm not picking a fight. I'm just making sure this motherfucker knows that we're not all putting up with his whiny ass shit. And the crazy thing was, he was there for his daughter to get her learner's permit. Right. So she clearly was horrifically embarrassed by this moron. Was there? Right. Oh man. How do they run things this way? Blah, 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 blah. You know, all your bitching and whining. I think someone once told me that if you have a complaint, what's your solution? I had a great, uh, this reminded me of uh, Stan Hope beat that he had this thing where this whole thing is like, I don't have a drinking problem. I have a drinking solution because this thing was, you know, any mundane, ugly bullshit that happens in life, I just pour enough booze on it and everything becomes better and he has this thing and the reason why i came to mind from your story is because he says you know before you know it i'm there in an airport in a long delay and the guy who showed me pictures of his three pomeranian dogs and this we become just best friends and we promise we'll write each other and that's all thanks to booze because it told me it was hilarious <laughs> well it, it, the, the crazy old lady is what made me think of the DMV because in my many hours of, of adventures, I like to play a game called Count the Smiles. Good at airports, good at DMVs for sure. Yeah. And you can actually end up with negative scores. Oh, yeah. Some totally. people are so unhappy. That's a negative two smile right there. You know, I think we just solved the DMV problem. I think there should be a free mini bar open for uh, all DMV customers. Um Probably Uber should be tied to this because afterwards we don't want those guys to get on the road. Well, perhaps but in like, California, it's, maybe it's not a, a whiskey bar. Perhaps it's a bud bar. Right. Something that's to, really going to calm them down a little more, a little more commiseration. Um, turn it into a drink and smoke room where suddenly people are going to the DMV. Hey, what do you do today? I think, do you want to hang out at the DMV? Let's, four hours. Yeah. It was awesome. That was great, I man. I had a long time. And they had cookies too today. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the solution to the DMV lines. Cookies, weed, and booze. We're solving things all over the place. Yeah. Here's the one that I couldn't solve. Crazy old lady. Abandoned. At the DMV. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if she just wandered into the DMV by herself. It was a bad situation. But supposedly her ride had abandoned her. There was an Uber that was endlessly coming for her. That I don't know how she called Uber because she didn't have a phone. Hmm. But <clears throat> the question became, and I made the terrible mistake because she was in distress. You could just tell something was terribly yeah. wrong. And I made the terrible mistake of saying, are you okay? Oh, 45 minutes of yeah, complaining ready for you. It wasn't so much complaining. It's just, you know, she, maybe even dementia level. But now she's like, you know, it's like shit on your shoe at that point. Hey. And she just sort of stuck. But in today's society, I don't know. It seems like 20 years ago, you could have just, hey, I'll give you a ride home. But now I'm afraid to do that. Right. There's a thousand things that could go haywire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could find out she doesn't really have a house. And now what the fuck are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, of course. Or the complaint you get two days later about, oh, he hassled me and blah, blah. How terrible is it that you can't even help somebody anymore? Uh, just should have should have opened up the booze and weed stand and she, she would have been, been happier. passed out in the corner yes. at the very least. Correct. Anyway, massive adventures at the DMV. Wow. But the beautiful part, it was the whole trying to get the old red Volkswagen smog saga is over. It's smogged. 
and it is sold, baby. Sweet. So. That's the way to solve a problem. And that's probably why my DMV adventure wasn't that bad. I knew there's a line. It's going to be bad. I want this dealt with today. I'm not going to do an eight-week appointment. We're going to finish it today. And by the end of the day, my ducks are on the line. This should go very well. And when my number was finally called, maybe four minutes, probably not even that, and poof. I think the approach is expect eight hours and yes. when it's less be happy because well, in the smile counting the only smiles i saw because i kind of yeah. hang out at the door and watch the coming yeah. and going is that guy that's like boop doo dip to the dmv come around the corner look at that motherfucking line yeah it's of like, course fool yeah what did you expect of course of have course. you not been to the dmv before yeah no it's painful shit but yeah that, i think that's like step one to our move for the presidency of the United States is under us. The DMV will feature a weed and booze stand and uh, cookies, chocolate chip cookies for everybody. Since we're going to be together for a few hours, we might as well make a party out yes, of it. Yes, I think that's like uh, the phone is about to ring and we're going to be offered uh, the next presidential ticket on some party. Well, I tell you what, there's going to be a silent disco at the end of that party. <laughs> feeling ranty eh, just a little let's do this once here we go here comes the rant you better shield your eyes everybody let me pick on a few different things let's start with a fun one somebody sent me these images of this video game conan exiles Ooh. now here is a video game where you can dismember people you can do you know the kind of stuff that you would imagine you enslave people you there's all sort of crazy stuff right but there's a European version, which I found complete genius, where when you pick your characters, you have a, a bar that you can slide from minimum to maximum to determine the size. If you're playing a female character to determine the size of her boobs, if you're playing a male character, you can go from like a horse dick to like a tiny shrivel thing. And like, there's a, because of, there's a lot of duality and they're having fun with this, right? Clearly. But of course, in the American version, well, in the American version, let me rephrase. If you get it on like your own computer on PC, I think you can play the same one as in Europe. But if you play the one like Xbox or PS4 or one of the things, of course, you know, dismembering is still in because, you know, dismembering is still just good nature fun. Of course. But the naked human body can't have that. The horror. Think of the children. I've never understood that concept. Yeah, which is really damn weird. I mean, that says something about American culture right there. The fact that you are, you know, in a video game, like, you can sell people into slavery. We're good with that. Sure. You That's can what we were founded on. Unleash the kind of violence where you just split a body in 72 parts. Genocide uh, level, also part of the foundation. Mortal Kombat style. Yeah. But boobs, now that's something that can uh, send young people down a dangerous path. <sighs> and it's just funny, man. It's just like, It's wow. not funny, though. It's ridiculous and insane. I mean, let's talk movies for a moment. Mm -hmm. 
people having consensual white hot sex got to guard against that yeah. we couldn't possibly have that take the same girl put a hatchet in her head oh yeah yeah then she convenient yeah of course she could probably be topless for that yeah it's weird man it's really strange now and the funny thing is that it also creates the opposite because also you know yeah there's that in american society there's also the fact that we are you know world capital of porn and produce more porn than anybody and- i wonder why and it's kind of like one feed the other, yeah. right? It's like extreme repression creates extreme obsession. And as usual, you know, you always think the extremes as enemies. The extremes feed each other. They need one another. You know, if it wasn't for one side, the other one would have no reason to exist. And so they just bounce back and forth in this never-ending game that's never healthy, but that's kind of the way. And it applies also to approach to sexuality in american culture you know you either have nudity being used to kind of sell you beer and cars and whatever total obsession but at the same time hardcore puritan repression where i mean i've seen literally to this day i see people who take their kids to watch the weirdest movies where you're thinking twice about like do i really want to do this and they're like no problem but if there's a kissing scene they cover their eyes and i'm just like are you fucking crazy because yeah that just did not send the message oh this is fascinating stuff let's obsess about that you know i find it really bizarre and uh in some way you tell me i find some papers that my students write about um, one of the topics that pop up, there's uh, talking about sex and attitudes about sex and thought and all of that. And a bunch of people bring up like personal experiences where they say basically like my parents never ever talked about it. If they did talk about it, it was like with this harsh embarrassed tone, like it was a taboo topic. And so, you know, I was I there was the message passed on from the parents' generation that there was something weird and strange, if not downright shameful, about the whole sex thing, or at the very least was embarrassing for some reason. Okay, Our, my talk wasn't embarrassing at all. Yeah, it was both of them. It was very straightforward that this is completely natural. Yeah, I don't get it's it. It's fun. Yeah, that people like to do it. You know. And then came the warnings, you know, you got to be careful. Yeah, of course. Wrap that rascal, you know, make sure who you're with. Consent, even in the 80s, was like paramount. No, and in fact, it's not really that difficult of a discussion. It's life, man. It's like, how How the hell do you think everybody got here? Yeah, how is that? How is something so completely normal and in some way very ordinary becomes, well, Maybe not in my case, but whatever. Uh, you beat me to that one. But thank Epic you, thank you. coming to my mind. Thank you, you know. thank you. But the, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, how did something like this become a taboo topic? It's just stupid. It's just flat out stupid. It's like, come on, man. It's like, it's sex. What, what's the big deal that you are making out of it? And not that it's not a big deal in the sense that, yeah, if there's something powerful, there's something cool, there's something great. There is nothing embarrassing. There's nothing weird about it. There's definitely nothing shameful about it. It's Unless just, you're raised in some freaky religion. Yeah, it's weird. I'm terrified to go to confession because if I don't tell that I've been playing with myself to the priest, who's probably playing with me <laughs> earlier, then God will kill me. 
Yeah, and even that is funny because when you look at like the history of Christianity, there really is nothing in Jesus' words. There's very, very little where the topic is even addressed. It's Jesus like, never said, don't get it on. It's completely other stuff that gets to be added on, you know, really weird all the way. So it's... And don't touch Jesus' mom's genitalia or yeah, burn your damn hands oh, off. Oh, yeah, that was the great story from, what was it, the Apocrypha or something? Yeah, yeah. that was good stuff. Duh. Yeah, oh my God. I don't have an answer for it, but you know, you're talking about a puritanical society that covered mm. table legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And boy, does it sound, mm, shall we say, burka ish? Yeah, when that's you a really thing. get down to it. I mean, is that what they would prefer? It's like the whole Mike Pence thing with his calling mm-hmm. his wife mother and not being able to have a meal with another yeah. woman. Can't have another woman around unless his wife is present. So if the woman had a burqa on, would he be less? Is it a temptation thing? Because that's sure what it sounds like to me. I, I can't have lunch with another woman because I might jump across the table. I know, man. That's like some it real is... freaky things to admit to. Well, yeah. So I can't explain it beyond that. I mean, these folks that are, if you're raised certain ways, it is helpful when the rebellion factor rolls in around college time. But that's a whole different set of stories because that can be nurtured to your advantage. In other ways, correct. But I don't get it either, man. I mean, you know, when your kids see the cows having their way with each other in the field, what do you do? Cover their eyes on that as well? Oh, yeah, of course. Or just have a good joke about it. Nope, that's part of the deal. It's all about, uh, yeah, it's like trying to remove sexuality from the picture altogether in a way where there's like, nope, we're not addressing it, we're not, it doesn't exist, basically. The very fact that the discussion is considered inappropriate is weird. It's like, forget the content, the fact that you have a discussion on it, that the topic is off limit, it's very, very strange. Which just opens the whole Pandora's box. So if your parents won't tell you about it, then you're going to learn from your ignorant friends who know of course, nothing about it. Of course, it. exactly. Where there's even less, yeah, it's, it's a horrible idea all Nothing around. like bad information from a bunch of teenagers who have no idea what they're talking about. What's that going to lead to? And then the whole notion of, you know, having to sneak off and, I don't know, the Dutch have it pretty well figured yeah. out. If the kids like each other, then they can come to the house with all the rubbers and whatever else in of the course. world. So that if there is a problem, somebody's around to help out. And they uh, and they have a better version of Conan Exiles as well. Exactly. Which always helps. Because you can't really be lopping heads off unless you have a donkey dick slinging around. That's the way it is. Otherwise, and this is a complete non sequitur. It has nothing to do with anything, but I have to throw it out there. <laughs> um, I've been arguing on Facebook with a gentleman named Timothy. I want to say Lira. Or Lyra? I don't, well, it's Lyra, but maybe this motherfucker's pronounce it different because it's US. It was Leary. That'd be really yeah, weird. It's, no, it's L-I-R-A. But good old Timothy. Our, our beef boils down to one very important aspect of... I think it's an article of faith, really. It's, that's what it boils down to. He's a fan of that monstrous thing called Alfredo Sauce. Oh, and I'm sorry. I just got to say, Alfredo Sauce in my book is just a particularly weird name for the boiled placenta of female demons when they give birth to their evil spawns, and that's what's being cooked and served there. Alfredo Sauce, come on, that's not stuff you can put on pasta. Resist the temptation. Stay away from the evil. 
So is it cheese in general, or would you rather a great marinara sauce with some yeah, Parmesan yeah, on top yeah, of yeah. it? Yeah, cheese is fine. Alfredo sauce is evil. By the way, I'm also talking complete shit, because the last time I had Alfredo sauce, I was probably like three million years ago. I don't even remember it. But as I said, it became an article of fate. By now, I have yeah. to stick to my guns. Sometimes so. a dark episode in your time, it just sticks with you. Yes. It's hard to shake loose of that. The evil soft Alfredo sauce. Yeah, we'll let you have that. This is about to turn nine this summer, mm-hmm. and um, I'm really, really enjoying hanging out with her. She's just so cool. Like, last few weeks, I had probably about six weeks or so of uh, mild depression. Nothing too heavy, but a little bit, you know. It's like I go through my cycles. They are way better than they used to be. You know, my lows are not as low as they were, but they are still, you know, it still is what it is, and you can feel it when you are in it and I'm not drowning but I do feel that extra weight heaviness and all of it on me and I spent a good six weeks on it you know where I just couldn't shake it off couldn't shake it off couldn't shake it off and the gray cloud yep and and then we were sitting right at this table Liz was here and she was telling me basically you know you look like crap what's what's going on and and so I was telling her, you know, and she's like, and I forget what words she used. I don't even remember the content of what she said, but there was something in what she said. She gave me like the ease motivational speech. In, and again, I don't remember the details. They weren't even that important. It's like somehow how she, whatever it is that she did, it clicked. Like it made me go, oh, okay, time out. Let's reassess this. The next day, boom, I was out. You know, the six weeks were over and I found a way to turn it around and I felt a lot happier. And so I was like, check you out, Is You are, uh, you know, you're my motivational... Yeah, you're my motivational coach. So this is my guru. That's the, that's the new thing. Speaking of Is and uh, there was another dialogue that was pretty funny as of late. There was... Um, Savannah and I were talking about Isabella's moodiness, how sometimes, you know, she can be the sweetest person in the world and sometimes she can be pretty intense, which to Savannah is a completely un- incomprehensible concept because she's always in a good mood. So I'm just like, yeah, just like all women, just exactly like that. You know, it's like... I don't know who you've been hanging out with. Savannah is a freak. Savannah is just has this Zen vibe to her that somehow doesn't nothing bothers her is there any fear that this is all being packed away for one giant maybe level it could be right but who knows in any case i just know him to be a bit moodier right in is um is instead we know she's moody so it's okay you know we have established that and savannah one point goes oh god by the time she's a teenager i'll be out of here you know, it's like, and he's asked why, and we explained to her that, you know, people usually get moodier during their teenage years, mm-hmm. and this goes, oh, wow, I want to be away from myself when I'm a teenager, <laughs> and I thought, like, yeah, that's quite appropriate, because that's always, I remember first girlfriend I had in US, a really sweet woman, but moody to the 54th power, 
and lunar cycle style and i was like oh shit man it's like i you know help me out here because you're killing me here and and at one point she's like hey come on you only have to deal with me a few hours of the day i have to deal with myself 24 7 <laughs> so understand i was like yeah I, I see the point that is rougher than uh, than the deal i get but <laughs> that would have been a signal to run i think yeah well yes definitely but um did you oh speaking of okay on that note i'll find a particular is discussion then since you mentioned that inspired by this is and i were listening to the song self-esteem by the offspring you know that one mm-hmm. and for a while we were both laughing at the lead character in the story because you know they set it up all the lyrics are about this sorry loser who lets everyone step on him particularly in his romantic relationships you know the, the awesome refrain is i may be dumb but i'm not a dweeb i'm just a sucker with no self-esteem oh hey, oh, hey, oh. And, and you know exactly that we're still laughing and suddenly you know we're together laughing and this just goes for the burn she goes you know the guy in the song sounds like the way you used to be. And I was like, motherfucker, I'm raising a snake. And the problem was that she was correct. You know, she wasn't wrong because, you know, I always justify to myself with, no, I'm a tough hero and I'm going to, you know, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's these maybe, but I'm going to stay in crazy relationships because ultimately just shows my toughness and I'm going to figure out a way to turn it around. Never fucking works. Just Horrible idea. No just a sucker with no self-esteem. Exactly. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, when you try to start a sentence about four times when you go like, no, but wait, no, it, it wasn't like, Shit, you're right. Fuck it. You got me. This was terrible. So, yeah, there's, I was, whereas the ease lifting me out of depression was a glorious moment, this was one of the moments where I'm like, I just don't like you right now. Make your own dinner tonight. <laughs> it could be harder than you think, young lady. Yeah. Have you seen that the uh, big reports coming in that loneliness among millennials is on an epic trend off the charts yes do you think it has anything to do with the social media problem yeah i mean the fact that yeah sure because uh because in the 70s and 80s you had to get out of the house to see anybody and it usually meant riding around a car with somebody or meeting in the park or all those sort of things sure and i think removing that where you can just text whoever yeah any time of the day. I wonder if they have any concept of what passing notes in class was like. Now they can all text each other. Yeah, I think part of the problem is that it's... Um, in general, American society has been built... The, there's the good and the bad about it, right? The good thing is that everybody could just pack up at a moment's notice and change their life and relocate across the country, which is awesome. The bad part is that anybody can pack up at any minute and relocate across the country at a moment notice, which means there's no investment in any establishing roots i mean if you live in a redneck spot in the middle of nowhere yeah sure you have community but because you are surrounded by there's the downside to that as well but so the problem with this is that american society is very individualistic which in some ways again there's a great stuff about individualism but then there's the bad stuff which is 
you find yourself that you haven't really invested time and energy in community, in long-standing friendships. Everything is very disposable. Everything is, okay, pack up. We'll get the new friends in the new place. We'll get, and it's very resort thing. It's really superficial to a large degree. And so not surprisingly, yes, people, I mean, sometimes I see people who are like, I remember, oh man, this was like one of the saddest moments in my college experience. Not for me, but like I was talking with this guy that I had several classes with, right? And at one point I was comparing notes about our experiences in college. And I say, so who do you hang out here? You know, who are your, you made any friends over on campus? Who are your friends? And the guy goes, um, mainly you. And I was like, oh fuck, because in my mind we're not, even close to being friends right it's like this is your idea this is you thinking that this is a friendship well you're nice to me once in a while yeah we are pleasant acquaintances that's about it that's not even and i was thinking holy shit if that's the guy's idea of friendship he's fucked it just doesn't even and i see that a lot I see that a lot. Like the people who are quote unquote friends, they see each other every three months or something. And I'm just like, yeah, that's, I mean, you're friends in theory, you know, you, you click with each other when you do see each other, there's something, but there's also a frequency that has to happen in order to feed that fire. Otherwise it's just, yeah, and it's a whole different level. I think this whole notion of, oh, I got 800 friends on Facebook. Yeah, they, they don't get the fact, I think, like actual like real yeah. hardcore forever friend i think i can like six that's already not bad that's already really well i moved bad. a lot so that might have something to do with it but yeah definitely not much more yeah and i think they're confused i think they need hundreds of friends and i think if you've got two good friends well that's the thing you probably so got plenty how do you define it because to me friends there is uh, people that are they friendly to me? Am I friendly to them? Do they? Uh, do I like them? Yeah. Do they like me? Can we click really well? Check, check, check. All good. That still doesn't mean we're friends because if we don't see each other, if yeah. we don't spend the time, then it's all theory. You know, it's all abstract. It's like, yeah, we probably would be friends, but we aren't yeah. because the time is just not there. The time spent is not. Well, and then on top of that, it's also like if you move away from those people. Right. Do the do the connections maintain? Yeah, and like I think can you go eight years, but the second you're back, it's right back to where you were. Versus, you know, well, but even then, apart. that's great. But for the last eight years, it hasn't been. You know well, what I, I mean? It's like local. I mean, there's still communication, right? Oh yeah, where you're still talking and yeah, yeah. in touch, and yeah, I don't know, man. It's like it's. Uh, I think my definition of friendship is particularly strict, and but yeah, I don't. In fact, he's telling me, oh, you have so many friends. I'm like, no, I don't. No. It's, I know a lot of people that I get along with. Yeah. That's great. But that's a whole different concept. Like to me, there has to be that time spent together. If there is not that time spent together, it's all, it, it's not the real deal. You know, it's just not happening. And it, again, it doesn't mean that the person is bad or you are bad. It's just for whatever reason, the way your lives are structured, how busy you are or choices you make. That's just simply not a real friendship, you know. That's something else. Gresham was reading a story somebody told on the internet. This guy had a class, I guess it was college, and he would always sit on the front row. And this guy next to him 
foreigner, not sure where he was from. English, just barely mm-hmm. there. But he was there learning and taking the class. And every day when he would come in, this guy would have his shit on his desk, on, on, on mm-hmm. the guy who was sitting down desk. And as soon as you get there, he's like, oh, you got your stuff. And he would move, and he's like, oh, sorry, sorry. And one day he showed up late. And some other guy went and tried to take his chair. He saw him approach as mm-hmm. he was coming in through the door. And the uh, foreigner was like, oh, no, no, this is so-and-so's right. seat. And he had no idea. It was pissing him off that he always had his shit on his desk. Right. He was saving the seat for him. That's funny. Because he thought he was his friend. Right. Because he was the only guy in the class who would even speak to him. Of course. Of so, course. And that tenuous notion that, you know, just because somebody, I think that guy thought he did have a friend. Yep. Of course, because it boils down to definitions of French. Yeah. You know, what you consider. I don't think there's an objective standard. I don't think my standard is objective. It's just is whatever your standards are. And you your know, level of loneliness probably yeah, contributes makes you much more accepting. Of I've course. known people that have a lot of shitheads for friends. Yeah, yeah, because you're miserable and you'll take somebody. Just, at least somebody's At nice least to I don't talk to the cat. Or the, exactly. Yes. Yeah. There's somebody other than the cat I can talk to once in a while. I don't think there's anything more dangerous to our society than this loneliness. Because you know what? All these boys that are shooting up these schools, apparently sure. some girl was mean to me, so I get to go mow them all down? Yeah. That can't. This that's, cannot stand. Yeah, that's basically. And that's why, in fact, anybody, like all the insane degree of crazy violence in the United States, the school shootings, all of that, everybody's always trying for like a simple solution. No, there's nothing simple. There isn't. It's not caused by one thing. There's probably 10 different factors at play, yep. and they all play a role in this. So to assume that it's just one is like, yeah, one is better than nothing. Sure, address that one. But there are once you address that one, there are still other nine things to consider that if you haven't, you haven't really solved a whole lot. Because, yes, there is the whole debate about guns. Okay, sure. There's the debate about media. Is it a good idea to dive deep into the stories of some of these people who, of course, creates the copycat model of other people? Like, I'm miserable. I'm about to blow my head off anyway. I might as well go down in a... Set a record while I'm at it. And then they'll all talk about me, 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 me. And it's... So there's that. You got the antidepressant side effects and the overprescription of stuff. You got that. You got the degree of loneliness and lack of community in American society. Check that. You got, you know, you can go down the list and the list is really long. Yeah. And so to assume that just one factor would magically solve it all, it's just not real. No, it requires a complete rebuild of how we treat each other, how we interact with each other. Sure. And I don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, there are a bunch of places that have lots of guns. They don't kill each other to the degree that they do in the U.S. There are a bunch of people, there are a bunch of places that have crazy people. They don't kill each other to the degree that they do in the U.S. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a perfect storm in the U.S. where all those elements are there and uh, and they add up, you know, and they add up in the way. I mean, even like, oh, by the way, when is that the first school shooting started happening in a big way? It's a big one, Columbine. Right, end of the 90s, right? Yeah. What happened about a decade earlier in the 80s when talking about mental health issues? Oh, we threw everybody into the streets. Yes. That was Reagan. Exactly. All the fucked up things started with that deregulation. All mental institutions were closed down because, of course, we save money that way. Well, not really, because then all that money that you just saved in uh, mental institution places, you just transferred it to dealing with homelessness 
and extra police and all of that. So you're not really saving money or moving money around. And the result has been what it is. So it's kind of like... Now, by the way, I'm not even advocating that the mental institutions, the way they were set up, were this great, amazing system that works so well. Because they they were terrible problems with that. But getting rid of them wasn't the solution either. And, you know, that's another part of the game where it's like, oh, look at that. Look at how the timing work. Well, luckily, we have a brand new crop of really PTSD'd out young people. Right. From these insane, useless wars. So we got that going for us as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that is. But, but I agree with you. I mean, I think the community factor is a huge one. The the interaction, the community, the loneliness, all of those things are are playing a huge role in this for sure. Did you see the little girl? I think she was from Pakistan. I'm not totally sure. Oh yeah, we came student. To, yeah, yeah. I want to experience American culture. She sure did. The response was pretty amazing. I think it was a family member, maybe even her father, said, "You always look at us as we have this crazy terrorism going on. Well, the U.S. has a terrorist right cell of its own." And they're shooting at the students. Yeah, it's weird because it's not the Taliban politically motivated, which is usually how you define terrorism, that you're trying to make a political point. It's just insane violence for misery's sake. And it's really weird. Because, yeah, you look around the world, you do not see that happen a whole lot. Nobody else is doing it. Yeah. You do see it and there, you know, there's always the, but nothing to this degree. Not on a, where you can set your clock by it. Yeah, totally. There was one little girl outside of Santa Fe High School, and they asked her, you know, did you ever think this would happen? And she said, I figured it was just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. You can't learn when you're thinking that all day long. Yeah, that can be good. It's amazing the difference. My high school was the number one handgun violation school two years running. That's always seems after to be I proud. Gra- after I graduated, thank you very much. But my sister was there, and it was like literally the year after I graduated. Some kid wasn't happy that some girl was dating some boy from another school he comes in. It's always how it starts. Strolls into the locker bay and starts unloading on some dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, their solution was, I mean, that was like a Thursday. Monday, metal detectors across the main four entrances. Mm -hmm. Every other entrance was monitored with a a camera and the locks had to be and random pat-downs. And nobody else got shot. Mm-hmm. This isn't impossible, and it doesn't have to turn into a TSA thing. Right. And you know what? Perhaps the parents need to get involved and be those security guards. Who would do a better job than the people who should be the most concerned? Right. Which is you know, kind of another problem that I think a lot of parents kind of just count on that school. Is, There's my daycare, and these yeah, people mean, should handle everything. Why should I get involved? Well, I, that's the other problem when it comes to parenting that, you know, when you live in a society where because of economics, usually both parents have to work. Yeah. And if you work, two people working full time, you don't have time and energy left to deal with your kids. And no. so you don't really raise them. You don't play a particularly, you're tired. You're like, just shut up, do your homework, wash up, go to bed. You know, there's not a whole lot that, that is one of the big tricks about modern culture that how do you how do you raise kids when you spend all your damn time working you know that's not and you know you can have kids just to say i did it but then if you're not really if you don't have a life that allow you to spend time with them you're missing out on yeah, everything what's you the know? point you know you might find this odd but in thousand oaks there seem to be lots of parental support for the 
PTA and stuff because mm-hmm. those are more well-to-do families. Yeah, yeah. But you're absolutely right. I mean, another study. I got all my studies organized today. 49% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck yep. to the point where they don't really even have enough money for food and rent in a month. Yeah. It's if something happens, you are screwed. Do they not realize yeah. at some point they will wake up and sharpen the pitchforks and get the torches going? And the funny thing about that is that you always hear these things about, you know, one end, a smaller government, bigger government, this, that, the other. The funny thing about it is that when you strip all the rhetoric, when you strip all the talk and discussion, what actually is going on is that everybody, Democrats, Republican, doesn't matter, Everybody's raising the budget like crazy. Everybody's putting the U.S. further into debt in a way. I mean, look at like we were just mentioning Reagan, right? Reagan, Reaganomics, you know, the hardcore small government guys. Mm -hmm. Federal debt under Reagan tripled. You know, the whole theory was smaller government. Tripled the federal debt. So don't tell me this shit. It's just, this is just slogans that you tell your people to make them happy. But the reality is that both everybody in that game is involved in enlarging the size of federal debt. That's just the nature of the game. It's just where you decide to spend the money, not because anybody's actually doing something different from it, because they aren't. Well, luckily, we got a $1.5 trillion increase so that the richest people can get a, exactly. get a break. It's like it happens under Democrats, and they are blamed, uh, oh, it's because you push you too hard for the everything. social mm-hmm. Republicans do the exact same thing. They just put the money in different places, but that's, the, that's part of that political game. The thing I'll never understand is how much is enough money? Yeah, yeah, of course. The, it's probably just because I don't ever have any. But the thought that if I was a successful business owner, I think there would be nothing more important than investing into your people. Well, and also it's an addiction. I think it's it uh, is, isn't it? there is that part of the game where you, in order to make the money, you have to work like a dog. Working like a dog, that means you don't have the time and energy to dedicate to other parts of your life. Because you don't cultivate them for long enough, it's like a muscle that atrophies. And so you don't even know how to do it anymore after a while. When you do have the, it's like, should I slow down my work and try to figure out, it's like, you don't even remember what that's for. I'm 97 on the Forbes list. We can't stop now. Yeah. And so it's like, let's push harder, harder, because that's what you know. That's what you've been doing for years. It's what you're used to, you know, you're used to working like a dog and seeing at least at the end of the day, when you're miserable and tired, at least you see my bank account went up this month. Little boost of self-esteem. That's who I am. I did it, you know. And then it's like, because you don't remember what else really makes you happy if you weren't doing that. It's like, well, if I keep working hard, I'll have another boost of self-esteem at the end of the month. And I'll keep doing that. And, And it becomes this thing where because your life sucks and it's lacking in every other aspect... The one thing that makes you happy is I make my money so I can buy some cool toys that make me feel a little bit better about the fact that my life sucks. Of course, in order to do that, I have to work 10 times harder and not have time for other things, which makes sure that I'll feel even worse about my life, which is going to make me want to make more money and work harder, which is going to make me feel worse about my life, which is going to make me want to make more money and work harder. And it becomes this endless loop where you just don't get out because you're right it is a weird thing you see people who have who make bank who realistically is like just fucking retire go to thailand go whatever do something you know yeah and instead they are just like a rat on the wheel keep going 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 and 
some of these people are, they are their first, they are the first victims of their own behavior. Then they pass it on to everybody else as well. But they are also really miserable deep down. They are also the ones who are making their own life crap in the process. And so it's, it is, uh, to me, a, a serious addiction uh, because of everything else. In, in order to get to that point, you had to have let go of everything else in your life, and now you don't know what else to do. With a good chunk of sociopath. Yeah, for sure. Spread in there as well. Of course. That's how the lifestyle shapes it, for sure. I don't know how we got here, but that was interesting. Oh, well, down, on, off to the next uh, rabbit hole. It's story time again. I, always, uh, I think I will permanently be hoping for more topless duels. Sadly, they're not topless. They involve women and they involve swords. So Which we are two out of three ain't yeah, bad. We are our, our all. But um, <laughs> it's a story from Japan in the 1600s. Uh, it starts with a samurai named Shiga Daishichi, who's running for the law. Not anything major. He had committed some minor misdemeanors, so he could probably be okay. But he's in a panic mode, and so he's hiding in a field. And what happens is that there was this one farmer named Yomosaku who sees him and the samurai panic was like, I've been spotted. And so he killed the farmer. That was a bit impulsive. Yeah. And the poor farmer was just, you know, I didn't give a crap. He was there tending his rice, do whatever he was needed to do. And that guy. Now, the farmer had two daughters. Uh, One of them had become a prostitute in the Yoshiwara district, which was renowned at the time in Japan, because they were really poor. So she was uh, trying to figure out how to make money for the family. The other one um, went to tell her, you know, went to visit her at the brothel and tell her this damn samurai killed her father. This is what happened. So both of them decide, okay, this can't fly. This is... Sister number two, the known hooker one, was uh, she had a boyfriend who was a samurai. Her fiancé was this samurai. Very and, understanding. Well, she, she's the one who's not oh, a the, prostitute, okay. right? That makes more sense. <laughs> and uh, so this, uh, they go to him and say, teach us. We want to learn how to fight. We want to avenge our father. And so they spend a while where the guy says, sure, no problem. I'll show you what I know and start teaching them all the ins and outs of sword, naginata, a bunch of other weapons. So by 1649, which I don't know how much longer it is. I get the sense from reading is about a year later or something like that. Quick studies. Yeah, exactly. They ask the local daimyo, who is like the feudal warlord of them, who employed this samurai. They said, hey, this guy killed our father we want revenge but you know we want to do it the right way and so we ask for permission because otherwise you know if you do it without permission then the daimyo will have your head on a pike and stuff so the daimyo was like yeah i see the point you know the guy killed your dad that's not very cool he was one of my farmers that's also not very cool you guys seem highly motivated okay i see your point (laughs) and also let's be fair about it the dude has been training his whole life you guys had one year of training or whatever long you have and you he killed the father to both of you so it seems only fair that the duel is 
one of him against the two of you. So that even out the odds a little bit better. So, okay, you guys get the weapons, we'll get him, and uh, you can settle it that way. This is going to be pay-per-view gold. This is pay-per-view gold, right? It's like if only in Japan they had figured out pay-per-view in the mid-1600s. <laughs> so the um, samurai pulls out his sword. The two ladies, they use two weapons that are fairly interesting. One used the naginata. The naginata was like the... Um, it's like a long pole with a long blade attached at the end. Kind of like... What do you call the thing? A halberd? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, something like that, right? Consider a typical female weapon in Japan. That was the classic. Even to this day, most of the ones who studied a weapon are, are women. Is it for defensive cavalry? Uh, they was used there as well. It was used by uh, foot soldiers. was used to defend your households from Slice people. Yeah, exactly. It allows a distance, but it also has a giant blade attached to it. So good stuff. The other one uses an even more esoteric weapon, something called the Kusarigame, which is basically a sickle um, with, a, with a weight chain attached to it. And the whole goal of this is that you hold this thing with one end, and there's a, clearly a very sharp blade at the end of that short stick. And with the other, with the chain, you're trying to catch the samurai sword with the chain to block ah. it so that then you can come in with the sickle. So in the middle of this duel, sister number two uses the chain and does manage to entangle the samurai sword. As the guy is trying to get his sword back, sister number one just cuts him down with the naginata, and the revenge is achieved. The two sisters got their deal. So I thought that was pretty badass. No toplessness, sadly, but still. There was a brothel. There's yeah, probably that, something there somewhere we that's went to visit. Still, uh, I dig this tale. You know, nothing like good old revenge tales set in Japan, done by women. That's a, I dig it. So that's your story for the day. because it's so packed full of questions it's difficult to, to to suss out which one to go with always um let's go play mr george asked the following um in not so many words what's my problem with jordan peterson that i've expressed in a few ways that i know i'm not a fan that could be a really long answer and but for the sake of being fair and keeping it simple, let, let me focus on one thing and actually frame it in a way that's sort of related to the theme of our podcast, if there is such a thing in terms of Taoism. A lot of my Jordan Peterson issues boil down to the difference in philosophical worldviews between Confucianism and Taoism. Let's go play with that. What okay. does that mean? Now, here is the thing. Um... Peterson, in many cases, he's not wrong at identifying problems. You know, often he put the finger on the right issues where he's like, yeah, that is, that is a problem. That is something that we could, we need to figure out as a society ways to fix that issue or that other issue. So I don't have a problem with the problems sometimes he zero in on. Well, sometimes, but not. The main problem is when he moves on then to the solutions. Because to me, like his whole worldview 
is rooted in a return to the past type of ideology you know from this rabid fear of communism which is like man it's 2018 i don't know if they told you but you know the cold war has been done for a while communism haven't doing that well either yeah it's done it's over it's like the so there's that ultra fear of communism his ideas about gender roles his digs against the sexual revolution his all of this stuff is like a call back to the an idealized image of the 1950s basically yeah. it's i think like, the gender role stuff is what makes me the most crazy yeah obviously we're different but it's 2018 yeah and some of these i think like which is also part of his appeal for a lot of people is this nostalgic return to an idealized past it's kind of the classic golden age approach like back in my day things used to but it never really existed yeah never mind that fact right and also to me is like there's an element of intellectual laziness in this because the reality is that when you're dealing with complex problems and again i agree that some of the problems he highlights are complex problems but when you're dealing with complex problems the solution requires a lot of creativity require it's not easy it's not a quick slogan it's not a quick if we only did this it's usually is you have to dance around the problems in 72 times in order to try to figure out how to really tackle it the idea that you can just find in the past the solutions to modern contemporary things that are unlike anything that we have faced in the past yeah that just seem mainly lazy just really just like come on man that's not i i understand what you're trying to do as far as highlighting the problem i get that but to the notion that somehow going back in time is where you find the solution is like no what going back in time is exactly what caused a reaction to those very ideals you're professing which caused the problems that now you are complaining about so it's not just this what are we doing playing ping pong where we play let's go back to these black and white standards no now let's go back to the other side of the black and white which in turn bring us back to step one is like i've always step out of the game of just two polar opposites fighting one another and figure out what actually is because clearly none of these extremes views work what is that actually can create a healthy life now that's a difficult question to tackle and i don't blame anybody for not having an instant answer because those are hard questions well there's no instant answer but you're right at the end of the day we have to bring everybody forward we can't just go back to the good old days because the good old days weren't that great for most folks there's that for sure and there's um there's a tendency i mean my thing is i see a monstrous degree of oversimplification in the answers like the answers are are kind of the i mean people say oh he's a religious fundamentalist no of course he's not a religious fundamentalist in the if you look at what a real religious fundamentalist is peterson is not a religious fundamentalist but i do understand the idea where there's one of the things that on which religious fundamentalism thrives is this idea of the return to the past the good old standards the so in that sense i understand the analogy even though it's not a correct one there is that element of the um, um, and which is confucianism which is the, the idea the ancients had figured it out we need to go back to the standards of the ancients when things were great the Taoist approach is no you don't first because as you say the good old days weren't that good second because if those solutions work so well 
they wouldn't have led down to the current problems we're dealing with. It's clearly because they weren't addressing some issues which created problems, that's why. And so ultimately you have, in Taoism is this delicate balance of having figure, to figure out the right dynamics between different energies, the right timing, the right, okay, in this context, in this situation, how can we change things around to find... Whereas these approaches, the classic Confucian, let's go back to the moral absolutes of the past, which is the exact opposite of Taoism is about. And so to me, it really boils down to that, that Peterson is a classic Confucianist, whether he knows it or not, it's still that kind of worldview, which is the exact opposite of everything that I like. You know, everything that, you know, when it comes to Taoism, when it comes to those things is... Yeah, that, except the exact opposite to that, you know, it's like it's not, it's the difference between striving for a delicate, constantly changing dynamic balance versus the moral absolutist view. And those two just don't, there's no way to make those fit very well with one another. It's funny, it's almost like the dichotomy of the romantic and the realist, like the romantic is the flowers of the day were so amazing mm -hmm. and let's enjoy them with the realist like well, that flower's gonna be dead in a few days well and the thing is don't get me wrong i like the romantic ideas are sweet the idea i i dig utopia you know what i mean you want to paint a utopic vision of how things should be i dig it but also then find a way to actually get there don't just tell me that that's how it should be because yeah okay thanks i got it but Never mind the fact that I don't particularly dig his utopia. I don't really, like, of all the places and times, I don't really want to be in the 1950s personally. No, and there's probably 7 billion different versions of that utopia. But even if he was an awesome utopia, like, for example, uh, Chris Ryan picture, proposes this awesome hunting and gathering utopia. Now, did it happen exactly that way? How the hell do I know? I wasn't around and the evidence is contradictory. But I understand the ideal. The ideal is cool. It's very cool. So my thing is, okay, how do we get there? How can we incorporate? What are the steps to get there? And that interests me. That's a cool discussion about a utopia that I find fascinating. In Peterson's case, I don't like his utopia. And I find the steps to get there monstrously oversimplified. So... That's part of what I don't really dig about. And again, we could go on because... Now, the reality is I don't have anything particularly against the guy. Well, other than his voice, which I'm sorry, I just can't do it. But somebody showed me this video of... Uh, um, a whole video of Kermit the Frog in uh, done with Jordan Peterson voice. It's pretty hilarious. But beside that... I'm sure the guy brushes his teeth and is good to his kids and whatever. So I'm not saying, oh, the guy is bad. It's just, I find it, it's not a topic I would ever even address if he wasn't for the fact that he shoved in my face every other second because, you know, with the celebrity culture that we get, there's even like the whole small niche of the celebrity intellectual kind of thing. So for a while it was Sam Harris and everything was about talking about Sam Harris. Now it's Jordan Peterson. Now it's... And so, I mean, I guess if we keep throwing it out there, let's address it, you know, but it's not really a topic I would tackle otherwise. But yes, if you want my opinion, at least one of them on the Peterson thing is that I, yeah, I don't, 
I'm not seeing this notion of the return to the pre-1960s past, because that's what it's about. You know, his real issues is with the 1960s and all the changes that has brought in American Hmm, culture. I wonder which 60s change he likes the least. Could it be birth control? Could it be civil rights? Yeah, there's a long list of changes that are clearly huge. And that, I mean, the 60s are one of those polarizing decades, right? People either really dig them or really hate them. Rarely you find a more nuanced view. Uh, all of Peterson, even like, look at the Disney movie he likes. He's big on Disney, right? Because the archetypes and the stories and all of that. The overwhelming majority of all the Disney movie he likes are the pre-1960s ones. All the ones that he doesn't like are all the modern ones. And so I find it, again, it goes back to that same thing. It goes back to that very black and white worldview. We stand against communism. We stand against the devil. We, that kind of approach, which is the no one that is particularly easy to match with a Taoist approach. Last but not least, and then I'll shut up on the topic, I swear. I find his use of language really... How can I put it? What's the word I'm looking for? Mm. Disingenuous? I don't know because I can't get inside his head. But I consider it poor communication because I find that his statement, like there's the classic thing is like Jordan Peterson fans are always like, oh, it's because you misunderstand. It's because you haven't seen this video. No, I watched that video. No, you haven't seen this other one. No, but I watched that one. No, it's because you haven't read. It's like, okay, you want me to spend like 500 hours analyzing even when the guy was going to the bathroom kind of thing. It's like, to me, if somebody's statements are constantly misunderstood, now, it could be that people are intentionally trying to find a way to catch the soundbite because it got on their nerves and twist what he's saying. But there is a way to communicate where it's not that easy to twist what you say. You know, there is a way to use language in a way that's pretty clear, where it doesn't leave too many ambiguous meanings. I find that, like, the average... Like every other time you hear Peterson say something and then he spent three days explaining what I really meant to say was, now again, I don't know who's right or wrong. I'm sure he has some critics who are looking for any possible reasons to turn it into a weird bad light, even when he clearly didn't mean it that way. But when it happens all the damn time, you start thinking that maybe it's not just the crazy people who are trying to pick on you. Maybe there is something in the way you communicate. That's And so in that sense, it becomes, in some ways, a formula for success. It's kind oh, of yeah. like writing the, the Bible, right? Where the nebulosity every... is important because then you got everybody mixed up. Nobody, oh, he meant this, he meant that, he meant that. But it almost makes a smokescreen. Yeah, and everybody can project what they want in it. Either they project their hopes and dreams, which maybe have nothing to do with what you're saying, but is ambiguous enough that they can think it did. And very useful to your cause. Absolutely. They can project their more negative things, which then will get your fans to rally to your defense. Either way, as weird as it sounds, poor communication is sometimes a good communication strategy.
funky music means. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Towers Podcast. Wow, quite eclectic as always. I think we covered a lot of bases. We sure have. Y'all are lucky to have it. Speaking of music, I forgot last time to thank, I've been feeling bad about myself ever since. I forgot to thank Daisy House for the music last time. That's always appreciated to have the Drunken Towers team. Appreciated also the four nights of the apocalypse who donated this month. Let the pottering begin. Let's say thank you to Ashley Glover, Jim D'Amico, Derek George, and Matt Chebray. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Much appreciated. I see Harry Johnson ran for the hills. Uh, he just did like two weeks ago, so close enough. He's, uh, it's all my fault. I, I didn't mean to accuse anybody of anything. No, he did it afterwards. He, he donated twice. Still, Be- I just... You know. But I think it's all my fault. It's still a good approach for you to take in everything in life. It should be. <laughs> There's nothing new there. Right. It's all my fault. <laughs> if you guys shop on Amazon, I have no idea what happened. Like Amazon income has plummeted horrendously. I don't know why or how, but you know, give it a try. It would be nice if you use the if you use the Amazon link. That would be sweet for all your Amazon purchases. Also what else what else our t-shirts if you guys want any of the four designs that we have for the drunken Taoist t-shirts they are printed on the awesome short design material anything else we should mention Taoist lecture series that's always there if you want seven hours more or less about Taoism about roughly 20 to 40 minutes each lecture so there are 16 of them Never a bad gig for 10 bucks. So the, the fine audiobook, Not Afraid. Not Afraid is indeed out there. Some people have asked for the audiobook. So since you have asked, if you want to get it, it's there. Uh, as I mentioned about the t-shirts, by the way, if you do order the t-shirt, please write me to tell, you know, if you don't put it in the order, at least send me a message or reply to my questions about what size, what color, that kind of thing. Because sometimes we go to back and I, I've written some people like 12 emails without ever hearing back. So I'm like, okay, man, you send the money, that's sweet, but let's work on making the next step and then we'll make it happen. Anything else? I think that's all we got for this week. Cool. On that note, you guys have a great day. <laughs>
in questo caso, in questo caso le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> This was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's. So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky.